He's not even old enough to drink alcohol legally. But jockey Evan Roman is taking horse racing in Southern California by storm. Roman with his first stakes victory. Jockey Evan Roman will join us. Plus, by Bob Baffert standards, this has been a challenging summer. What's next for him and his two big stars after they both bombed in late July? It's all straight ahead on this edition of In the Gate. They're in the gate. They're in the gate. In the gate. They're in the gate. It's a hit-bobbing finish! This is In the Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In the Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone that you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In the Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In the Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. On July 26th, in the second race at Del Mar, the win came down to two jockeys battling hard in the closing stages. Lambo locks one from the outsiders right there along the inside. St. Reno battles back at them too. Lambo locks St. Reno. Lambo locks. Gary Stevens, 54 years young, finished second in that race. Stevens was just 35 years old, less than a year removed from his third Kentucky Derby win, when the jockey who beat him in the race you just heard was born. Evan Roman is all of 19 years old, and he's been taking the Southern California jockey colony by storm. This spring, Evan Roman became the first apprentice jockey since 1949 to win the riding title at Santa Anita's prestigious Winter Spring Meet, a title he shared with Flavian Pratt. An apprentice rider is new and gets a five-pound break in his riding weight over established jockeys who have to carry the full weight a horse is assigned. For Roman, that status will remain until next March. Weight break or not, it's clear that Evan Roman's success is not a flash in the pan. At Del Mar this summer, he's finished in the money, top three, roughly half the time. And for the year in total, he's winning around 20% of the time. And we are pleased to welcome to Win the Gate both Evan Roman and his agent, the veteran Tony Matos. Let's start with Tony. Tell us how you discovered Evan in his native Puerto Rico. Uh, what, I, what I did, uh, I called Puerto Rico and I have a good friend of mine over there called uh, Joe Bruno. And I asked him about the apprentices that were in Puerto Rico. And he told me there were four or five apprentices that graduated from the jockey school. As you know, this jockey school in Puerto Rico, the Escuela Vocacional, is a very good school. It's developed Irad Ortiz, uh, Jose Ortiz, Manny Franco, and the Eclipse Award winner for last year, Luis Ocasio. So when I talked to Joe, he gave me a choice of four or five apprentices, and I looked at the videos on the apprentices, and I looked at Evan, and I told him that I was interested in Evan. When I first called him, talked to him, he told me that Evan was already committed to go back east. So he, I told Joe, my good friend Joe Bruno, to give me his telephone numbers that he did. And I called Evan, and I told him that I was interested in taking his book to come to California. So he told me he was committed, but about two days later, he called me back, and he told me that he decided to come with me, which I'm very happy about that. Well, we'll get to the California part in a second, but Evan, how did you become a jockey? Hey. Uh, 
yendo a, a la escuela de vocación ética en, en Canóvanas, como diría, digo, Puerto Rico. Ingresé a la escuela de vocación ética. He said he went to the school in Puerto Rico, in the, uh, the vocational school in Puerto Rico, in Puerto Rico, when he was 16 years old. I read that he hadn't even been on a horse three years ago, so how did all of that happen? He hadn't been on a horse. He used to ride motorcycles. He used to ride motorcycles, and he was like a daredevil on the motorcycle. So his father took him to the track with him, because his father goes to the track, so he went with that. So he saw the races, and he says, I'd like to become a jockey. So his father told him, you've never been on a horse. So what he did, he went, he enrolled in the jockey school with his father's permission. Well, Evan, what did it feel like when you first sat on a horse? Well, very, first of all, when you go to the jockey school, you gotta get, you have to get his permission from his dad, and then he got to be okay. Because it's a very good school. And what they do in Puerto Rico, they make him go through the routines for three months, they let him clean stalls, they let him walk horses, they let him they teach him about the facts of life, like how to act with people and all that. So they actually doesn't get don't get on a horse for the first three months. So after three months, they go in the round pin with horses and they let him jog horses. So actually, he he didn't get on a horse till after three months after he went to school. But before he went to school, he had never been on a horse. Well, what did it feel like, Evan, when you first sat on a horse? ¿Cómo te sentiste cuando te sentaste en un caballo? Pues tenía mucha ansia, se sentía nervio y estaba muy emocionado. He was anxious, he was nervous, but he was looking forward to it. Because he had worked hard to get to where he was at. For three months he'd been working with the other students in the jockey school. Now, Tony, it's one thing for a young man or woman to be talented and good with horses, but you put him right into one of the most competitive jockey colonies in the country... What thought did you have maybe at starting him at a lower level track, like, say, in Northern California? No, I never, I have never done that. You know, I've had other apprentices and I've taken him right to California or taken him straight to New York. I had Frank Lovato, who got the Eclipse Award. I started Cory Nakatani out here, who's a great writer. And even Christian Santiago Reyes, I brought him from Churchill Downs and he came out to California. He got the Eclipse Award. So, I believe that it's just like when you play tennis. When you play with the good players, you become a better player. When you ride with the better riders, you become a better rider. So when you go to the smaller tracks, and you don't learn nothing about it. So actually, when he got here, Barry, uh, he still had some things to learn, but he still looked at the videos, and through the help of the fellow riders, which have been nothing but nice to him, he corrected his mistakes, and he improved every day. Guys like Santiago Gonzalez helped him a lot showed him a lot about writing and Mike Smith and Corey Nakatani. So everybody pitched in and what is so good about Evan that he listens and he tries to improve himself every day. Well, that's the thing that I've always found fascinating about the writer's dynamic is that if you're winning races, then they're not winning races. So how helpful have the other jockeys been to Evan? Let me tell you one thing, Barry. There's not enough words for me to express how grateful I am to the fellow writers like like Santiago Gonzalez. As a matter of fact, before I took Kevin, I was working for Santiago, so he looked at the videos and he told me, bring this kid over here, we'll help him, and he'll become a good writer. So he was the main writer that really helped me out. And then Gary Stevens gave him a lot of pointers. Mike Smith took a liking to him and he showed him a lot. And even Corey Nakatani got him on top of the little wooden horse and gave him some pointers. 
Even Irad Ortiz went to the same When he came out to California, he talked to Evan and he showed him a couple of pointers. So there's not enough words for me to express how grateful I am to the fellow writers and to my competition to get him where he's at today. Evan, what does the the support of Mike Smith, Gary Stevens, Corey Nakatani, what does that mean to you? ¿Qué significa que esos jinetes te hayan ayudado? No, es muy importante mi base de aprendizaje. Tiene mucha experiencia y me pueden hacer exitoso como ellos. He says that he's very grateful because they have a lot of experience, they're great writers, and they were willing to share their knowledge with him, and that helped him become the writer he's developing to be. Jockey Evan Roman and his agent Tony Matos are with us here on In the Gate. Roman became just the second ever apprentice rider to win the riding title at Santa Anita's Winter Spring Meet. He won 41 races, sharing the honor with Flavian Pratt. Tony, three different times this year, Evan Roman was suspended for riding infractions. How do you view those suspensions? Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. that uh, Barry, you know, you hate to put it this way, but might have been the best thing ever happened to him. Because what he did, he gave him a chance to correct his mistakes. And believe me, the stewards sat with him and they told him what he was doing wrong. And he served the suspension. And while he was serving the suspensions, he was looking at videos. He was getting advice from other writers. So actually, you know, I think it was good. Like like he got those suspensions and he got them out of his way because he learned a lot from them. What sorts of things do you think he needs to work on to become a better writer? Well, I think he's getting everything's dropping in one day at a time, and I think he's developing to be a, be a top writer already. But, I mean, you never stop learning. Like, I'm an, I've been an agent now for over 50 years, and every day I, I change the way I work. And every day I try to better myself to be able to put him on better horses. So what do you think he needs to learn? I, I just think he just, he's just learning every day. And I I, I, I don't see too many weakness on, on him right now, but like he looks at videos and he improves every day. Now, you have a teenager living in your house, and you're somewhere in your 60s or 70s. I have a teenager in my house, and I'm a bit younger than you are. What is it like living with a teenager? Well, I got, I got grandsons that are his age. My grandkid is 19. He's like part of the family. He's, but first of all, you know, he, he comes from a very good family. His father came over and visited us. His girlfriend came over and visited with us. She goes to jockey school in Puerto Rico, so he's well brought. He's, he's got a lot of good manners. And I mean, that's, it's, it's like, like family to us. My wife and him are very close. She helps him a lot with his English and they, they learn English together. I mean, he teaches not to learn English. So, yeah, so he's perfect. He's a perfect kid. He's an agent's dream. Evan, what does your family think of your being a jockey here in the United States? ¿Qué tu familia piensa de tú que eres jockey en los Estados Unidos? No, también orgulloso. Al principio, pues, solamente estaba de acuerdo a mi papá en que yo pueda ser jinete, porque mi mamá tenía mucho miedo y, mi, y mis abuelos. He said his father was willing to let him be a jockey. His mother didn't want him to be a jockey, so his father had to talk his mother into giving him permission to be a jockey. <laughs> but they're very, they're very proud of him. <laughs> so he had to get the mother's permission because he got the mother and father. The father said yes, mother said no. <laughs> Did your mother want you to continue to go to school? No, she was afraid. She was afraid that he was going to be a jockey. She didn't want him to join the jockey school, but his father talked to her. 
So, Evan, what are your goals at Del Mar and for the rest of the year? What are you hoping to accomplish? He said he would love to win the title because he's the Santanita mean. He won the Los Alamitos mean, so he would be three meets in a row that he would be in Billing Rider. Evan Roman and, and his agent Tony Matos, thank you so much for a few minutes and continued success at the Del Mar meet and beyond. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. We're going to take a short break here on In the Gate, but when we come back, what to make of Bob Baffert's two stars fizzling at the start of the Del Mar meet? Don't go away. Welcome back to In the Gate. Evan Roman, at the time of this recording, recently recorded his second stakes victory, a small stake at uh, Del Mar, where he is currently running. And let's get some perspective from someone who has actually been on the ground with him every day. We say hello to Chris Ello, freelance writer who's been covering the Del Mar meet for the San Diego Union Tribune. First time we've had a chance to have him on the podcast. And from your standpoint, having covered racing for a while on and off, what have you seen from Evan Roman that makes him special? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, thanks for having me on, first of all. Lots of fun to uh, join you guys. And, um, you know, look, the thing with Evan Roman is, to me, I mean, he gives you a ride. He gives you a chance every time. And, and that's been very impressive. And we heard all about him from Santa Anita, where he had uh, tied for the jockey title with Flavian Pratt. And then he came down to Del Mar, and so everybody was kind of excited to see this young kid ride and see what he could do. And his first two days at Del Mar, I don't think he finished in the money. I mean, he just he he was misjudging everything. He was he was getting out to you know tiring horses out. He was he was trying to come from behind too late, and uh, and nothing was clicking for him at all. But he's a quick study and um, his third day of the meet, he won three races and he hasn't slowed down since. And right now he's actually leading the meet. He's been very impressive. And, and the thing I like is that he just, he always gives you a chance. He always gives you a hard ride, a good chance. And, and he's smart. He, he, he looks at a lot of film. Uh, he realizes that uh, as a 19 year old kid, he certainly doesn't know everything, but he happens to be riding with and against you know, a bunch of Hall of Fame jockeys that are in that Delmar room and, and guys that maybe one day will be in the Hall of Fame. So he not only watches his races to watch himself, but he watches his races to watch, you know, the Bejaranos and the Prats and, and Mike Smith and, and Victor Espinosa and Gary Stevens. And then he, he said he, he liked to try to pick up a little something from all of them. And, yeah, it's very impressive, very mature for a 19-year-old kid. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. 19-year-olds don't call it film. Yeah, video. <laughs> <laughs> now, right. here's the thing. Daryl Waltrip, the great NASCAR racer, Hall of Famer, has referred to certain races on the NASCAR schedule where the drivers race within six inches of each other, Daytona and Talladega, as coopetition, where you're competing to beat somebody, but yet you need their cooperation if you're going to survive and potentially win. And I think the same is true of the jockey world. When you have a 19-year-old kid coming in and beating all these Hall of Famers you just described, 
What is the nature of the dynamic between him and people like Mike Smith and Gary Stevens? Well, I think the the first thing that we need to touch on, as far as that's concerned, was that when um, Evan started at Santa Anita uh, in the last meet, he got suspended, you know, just short suspensions, you know, one day here, two days there, but he got suspended three different times for, you know, haphazard riding and things of that nature and cutting guys off. And, and, and you know, what you would think is that, you know, all these, uh, all these veteran jockeys would kind of dislike this kid and kind of, you know, think, you know, well, who is this kid? And let's just kind of put him in his place. You know, the opposite happened really is that, He's such a good kid. He's such a mature kid. He's such a, he's the kind of kid that, you know, saddles up to everybody to ask questions and is always trying to learn. So when he got suspended, he really kind of went up to these jockeys and he said, Hey, what am I doing wrong? What, what, what can I do to avoid, you know, having this happen to me? And I don't want to say the jockeys necessarily took him under their wing, but in a lot of ways, that's kind of what happened. They, they worked with him. They they talked with him. They they showed him video, and um, you know he hasn't been suspended since. And now he rides with a, a you know much more sense of purpose, and he and he rides. I think as you said to try and kind of make sure that he's just part of this community. He doesn't want to go in and break up this community. And it's really kind of a fun little story. I mean, they they all love him. They all love him, and uh, they're excited to have this young star in their midst. I'm not about to take up a collection for Bob Baffert. He has a horse in Arrogate who won $17 million in in five months or thereabouts. But it's been a bit of a frustrating summer for Bob Baffert. They have a quarter of a mile to go and accelerate out here. We're looking at a massive upset. Arrogate is still far, far back in the four spot. And Accelerate has opened up. Accelerate is well cleared to Domworth. Arrogate just not in the mood today. Arrogate will finish far, far back. And it's Accelerate and Victor Espinosa clear by eight, nine lengths here. Accelerate romps home in the San Diego. His two stars, Arrogate and Drafong, both made inauspicious debuts this season at Del Mar. What is he thinking about these horses' progress and where to go from here? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you a couple of things. First of all, uh, yeah, I think we're lucky to have Bob Baffert in this sport. Number one. I mean, that's just the, that's the first thing I would say always about Bob Baffert. Um, and I say that in this case, because despite the fact that those two horses both failed miserably in their debuts this summer, Bob Baffert's right there to answer questions and to talk about it. He doesn't run away from it. He doesn't shy away from it. He loves the sport and you know, he's always willing to speak and he knows that people need to talk to him because he has the big name horses. So uh, from a from a media perspective, I think we're so lucky to have Bob Baffert around. And I was standing with him when uh, Drifong uh, threw Mike Smith off. And all set for the Bing Crosby. And away they go. On the inside, Dre Fong broke away. Oh, Dre Fong just unseated the rider. Dre Fong took a left-hand turn at the chute. He wanted to take a left-hand turn back to the barn, and he's dropped rider Mike Smith. Dre Fong is riderless. Basically what happened in that race was there was a six-furlong race uh, out of the chute there at Del Mar, and about 100 yards into the race, there's a little opening on the left side of the rail. If you 
actually turned left there, you would run backwards around the track. And Durfong caught a little glimpse of that and started to shoot for that opening, made a left turn, and Mike Smith made a right turn and fell off the horse. Uh, Mike Smith, thankfully, was okay. It was a spectacular, you know, accident, uh, very breathtaking. But, you know, these, these jockeys amaze you, you know, at how strong they are and able to walk away from something like that. And then Durfong righted his course and finished the race without a jockey. So it was kind of a, kind of a strange, strange deal all the way around. But it is a more amazing considering Mike Smith is 51 years old. Isn't it something? And I know, I mean, he's stronger than he's stronger than all of us put together though. I mean, if you've ever seen, I know you've seen him. I mean, he's, he's just put together like a rock. So he bounced right up for me. It went to first aid. They checked him out real quick and he was fine. But, uh, I was standing with Bob Baffert when that happened and Bob Baffert just kind of said, man, when it rains, it pours. I mean, that was his, that was kind of his reaction to it. And, and I think some of it has to do with the fact that he's been around for so long in this game and he's had so many great things happen and he's, and he's obviously had his shares of disappointments and he knows that that's going to happen. If you, if you send out a top horse, you know, time and time and time again, you're going to have disappointments. So Bob Baffert is all right. Uh, you know, as soon as Arrowgate ran that, that horrendous performance in the San Diego handicap, which was just a badly beaten fourth. And, you know, Bob Baffert was right there to answer questions. And the big headline in our paper the next day was he laid an egg. That's what Bob Baffert said. He laid an egg and he had no excuses for him. Uh, but at the same time, he was adamant that uh, Arrowgate was going to stay on course and uh, plans to run him and uh, run him back in the Pacific Classic uh, here in a few weeks. And he's very confident that Arrowgate will return to form and and run the way that uh, the number one rated horse in the world should run. So he's still confident with Arrowgate. I think Rafong is a little different story just because that horse hadn't raced in eight months since winning the Breeders' Cup Sprint. And I think that the fact that he drew an inside post, uh, Baffert was a little concerned about that because he usually runs on the outside. He's, a, he's one of those horses that's always kind of drawn outside posts. He's never had to deal with the rail too much. So I think Bob would uh, like to get him back in a situation where he doesn't have to, you know, not that you can pick your post. And he also got beat with a Vale Dory stretch duel with uh, John Sadler's horse, Stellar Wind. Stellar Wind on the outside and Vale Dory still nose and nose, nothing separating them. Homeward bound and it's Vale Dory and Stellar Wind. Stellar Wind the advantage, Vale Dory battles on. Stellar Wind had a call on all her class and Stellar Wind won it ahead. Stellar Wind to Vale Dory, neither one would give an inch. So, you know, for Bob it's been kind of a strange start to the meeting, but I think everybody's got to remember, look, this guy's won 12 Del Mar Futurities, which is insane. And of course, that's the final big race of the meeting on the last day of the meet in September. And he won the Futurity last year with Klimt. And uh, don't be surprised uh, if he doesn't wind up on top by the time the summer's all over. Chris Ello, who's been covering the Del Mar meet for the San Diego Union Tribune, is nice enough to join us here and in the gate. Now, also, don't forget, Bob Baffert lost Mastery, who was probably going to be the favorite for all three legs of the Triple Crown had he not gotten hurt 
in the San Felipe, which he won and fractured a leg seconds after crossing the wire. I mean, this could have been an amazing year for Bob Baffert, but he lost all of those things. Again, I'm not taking up a collection for him, but this could have been Mm -hmm. an unbelievable year for Baffert, maybe a potential second triple crown. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he thinks along those lines though. Uh, You know, he, like I said, he's, He's 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 been in this sport for so long that I mean you know he he's had what did he have uh, two three different horses win the Kentucky Derby and Preakness and then fall short in the Belmont before he finally won the the Triple Crown with American Pharaoh so I mean Bob Baffert has had the highest of highs without question and he realizes that and he realizes how fortunate he is to to be able to have that kind of success but. Along with that, he's had some some of the lowest of the lows, and he's he he rides a pretty straight and narrow path. He's not a roller coaster kind of guy. You don't see him up and happy and excited one day and down and out the next day. He just goes about his business and does his job and appreciates the fact that he's in the position he's in. So I don't think he he's not the kind of guy that's going to cry over spilt milk. And if he lost a horse that had a chance to win a triple crown. Knowing Bob Baffert, he'll find another horse that'll have a chance to win a Triple Crown here not too long. Chris Ello, you can read his coverage of the Del Mar meet in the San Diego Union Tribune. Thanks so much for a few minutes, sir. Hey, I enjoyed it. Uh, Lots of fun and uh, more than happy to uh, do it again. Uh, If you ever want to check out this way, give us a call. Our thanks to Chris Ello, to Evan Roman, and to Tony Matos. With summer in full swing, we've witnessed brilliant racing performances both here at home and over in the UK. For the first time, we could really see the pomp of Royal Ascot. It's like the Kentucky Derby, but for five full days. It's easy to forget, however, that there's a problem brewing at racetracks like Ascot and Beverly. England will soon remove itself from the European Union, the effects of which remain very murky. Would horsemen from other EU nations abstain from British racing and look to run elsewhere, perhaps even here? If that should happen, what would it mean for the funding of British races? And with smaller fields, less betting is a fear. It would really be a body blow if Goodwood wasn't as glorious or Ascot didn't feel quite so royal. But creating civic goodwill isn't the motivating impulse, it's money to which the government is loyal. You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone that you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In The Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We'll see you next time.